0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another podcast episode with B2B Marketing Perspectives. And today we've got on a special guest, Amy Cole. Amy runs a outbound prospecting go-to marketing company. And what that means is if you need leads, if you need conversions, you need sales and you're in the B2B world, Amy is somebody you're gonna wanna talk to. Mm -hmm. I'll let you explain a little bit more about what you do right at the beginning here, but I know that you're one of the fastest growing companies in the Midwest. Yeah. You won the Stevie Award. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about you, your company, and what you do, and then we'll get right into things. All
1: right, Steve, well, thanks for having me today. I'm, I'm really thankful to be here. Um, my company is called AK Operations. We are currently 14 women based in St. Louis, Missouri. And I founded the company initially to fix a lot of the go to market tech stack challenges that people were having like about six years ago. Like HubSpot did a great job at going to market and selling to a lot of startups, but didn't really teach them well, in my opinion, how to build a program that produces pipeline. Um, it obviously is the right tool, but a whole nother skill set to leverage it in meaningful ways. So the company originally started to, to do that. Um, and when, what kind of transpired quickly after that was a way to really articulate what was producing good pipeline and making campaigns that support it too. So um, today we serve roughly 35 to 40 customers at any given time, and we're running full-fledged go-to-market strategies on their behalf
0: when you say full-fledged go-to-market strategies, yeah. you're talking to everything from, I need to meet new prospects. I'm buying lists from Zoom Info and mm-hmm. Paulo all the way through. Your team is helping to set up actual meetings, demos yeah. like that. That's the full go-to-market spectrum that you're talking about, correct?
1: That's right. Like, so our scope is quite deep and it's part of, to really fix this problem or solve it and teach teams to um, swim on their own. I think you, we I had to structure the business to carry the bulk of the scope of what it takes to go to market. The reason is, is if I can learn something, you know, a fraction um, significantly faster the takeoff time for our companies is going to be a fraction of that time too. So my goal always has been to focus on first like our SOP, like our standard operating procedure that all of my teammates deploy in every environment. And then we tweak it 20% in those seven day sprints to dial in those nuances that are unique to each of their businesses. So we are, we're manning these inboxes, we're prospecting each of these companies Um, We are inside of their emails, um, senders as true real life um, inboxes, and there's no fakeness about it. Like we're all listed as um, members of their team at a fractional capacity. And we're, we're doing everything from following up with somebody when she returns from maternity leave, all the way to setting meetings for our founders or our closers. Um, and then being the um, admins inside of HubSpot, doing all of the initial deploying of these campaigns out the gate, so it is quite deep. Um, but it's kind of what it takes to solve, to truly solve this problem and create that blueprint for our customers long term, far long after we're gone.
0: Well, tell us maybe a little bit about your philosophy on yeah, how do you engage? these prospects right they're yeah. cold prospects they don't know the company that you're representing they don't know you right and you're trying to transition to they not only are engaging they know they're interested and they want a conversation with the company yeah. so from the very very beginning when they're a completely cold prospect how do you warm them up how do you create that engagement
1: good question um and this is a pretty foundational principle to my company that makes us very different to in the marketplace. So we initially start every relationship with a customer to understand what their ideal customer profile is. And it's not what the founder thinks it is or what the sales rep or current sales leader says it is. We typically always analyze and go pretty heavy into the closed one data. So we'll look into the pipeline and build out personas and targets and um will even tear out sometimes um, their their TAM into tier one and two. But the point is foundationally, I need to understand who we're talking to first. Um, if that is skips, we'll produce a lot of pipeline of noise and distractions. And then it ends up being uh, a poor representation of the program because we didn't feed it the right, you know, the right fuel out the gate. The second step, and very, very um, important to me as you, um, I believe passionately in serving prospects first. Like If you serve them with content and resources that will serve them, whether they do business with you or not, you're earning the right to be in their inbox. You're earning a relationship um, or establishing yourself as a resource to them, not just a sales relationship. So if you skip that, sales will always be difficult. It will always be more of a challenge. Um, and you really will have to, you'll be, you're forcing yourself to pull everybody into your pipeline instead of inviting them in. Um, and I I have always been on a on the side of sales where I prefer a consultative relationship. I don't want to close a deal that's not good for my business either. Um, so as long as we're approaching it with good stewardship like that and serving our costs, our contacts, before we're selling them, or at least in tandem in line with it, you'll see a change in the way your prospects engage and come into the pipeline. Um, And that principle alone has landed us a lot of um, a strong reputation in terms of our strategy and the program that we've built because we're caring for the entire program. Like it's not just meetings, how many meetings can I get? It's also how much can convert into meaningful pipeline that we can actually convert into revenue and extend our clients runway. obviously. So content and targeting are the foundational principles. And without it, um, I hate to say it, but it's it's hard to sustain any sort of go-to-market strategy.
0: You've got to know who you're talking to Mm -hmm. and what their pain points are, what they're trying to accomplish, Right? understand the greater industry that they're playing in so that the fuel that you're talking about, that content is not only meaningful to them, but right before we started recording here we were talking about the difference between uh product marketing content oh yeah yeah right and a higher level of uh, quality content that that we were talking about as thought leadership tell me a little bit different than what you're talking about what you that introduction that content that's yeah. educating them, Is that product marketing content or is that more on the thought leadership end?
1: Never. Um, It's always challenging. I shared this with you. I'll I'll say it now that we're recording too, because I really believe it. I think a lot of times when I'm meeting um, our founders and our lean companies, they're comfortable talking about their product. And so a lot of times I have to convince them they don't care yet about who you are. They need to first understand what it is you do and how it serves them. So it's you are last like this. They are first, the solution, um, the the program essentially, or whatever you're offering is, is, is such an afterthought. They first need to even identify, is this a problem I have? Is it one worth fixing? What are other people doing that I've already solved this? And is now the time? So I have a pretty foundational like content themes that we follow when we kick off clients. And then the beautiful like strength in what ACAPS is doing is always on the ops and the rev ops side to where I can say, hey, Steve, this is so cool. 70% of our late stage pipeline actually engaged with these two pieces, these two assets, these two blogs. So, you know, they, um, a great one is people in HR. They love to know what their peers are doing. So FOMO pieces, like three companies with killer HR compliance technology. That is a highly engaged piece for a client of mine's pipeline. And then that informs our strategy back at the top of the funnel. So now I'm going to iterate on that theme and keep that theme alive and going because I know it's converting well and supporting my pipeline. It's not all and only for marketing fluff and at-bats. It helps convert and nurture to long-term. So even though those folks may be in the pipeline before they are, they, they come into the pipeline after they engage with content, the content's still relevant and serves the whole cycle. So to your, to, to your philosophy too, it helps turn change these, um, these prospecting ideas or campaigns into just true sales conversations. And without it, with, um, truth, like I said before, sales is always gonna be a lot harder. And I love the consultative nurture, um, of serving first with that, those key content pieces.
0: Well, and, and buyers these days, they're the numbers are getting greater and greater about mm-hmm. the research that they're doing online yeah. before they decide to talk to anybody inside of the company, right? So the marketing and that content is actually serving much, much more of a greater sales function than it has been
1: in the past. 100%. Those 13 touches, right? So it's 13 touches to get one meeting on the books for a company. Well, if that's a sales rep beating down the door emailing thirteen times. that that's so disingenuous. It's not consulting. That's a terrible first impression. Nobody wants their rep to be that guy in the inbox right. thirteen times. But if you could layer in some nice nurture pieces, like a, a guidebook or a podcast or a couple of blog articles that are relevant to their industry, then it's like, oh, okay, I've heard of this guy's company before I just read that podcast or I just read that ebook and listened to that podcast. I'm going to respond. That's how that's how it helps improve the sales conversions. I'm not saying you don't prospect. I'm saying you just you need to do it in a really good synchronized pattern um, because it does take so much more to get the attention of our prospects these days,
0: yeah. and anybody can can buy email addresses, right. And the people right. that we're typically reaching out to are are sought after. They're the buyers. They're the senior mm-hmm. executives of these companies. And so there's no shortage of people trying to get into their inbox.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
0: you just said that there were themes on that fuel or that content that you always start out with. Can you take us through what those themes are?
1: Yeah. So and the, to your point too, it helps serve you can nurture other people in the in the company that aren't your sales prospect. and this is where you build consensus around the content. you're building consensus for your pipeline. So the the foundational themes we like to start with is the first one being the ultimate guide to, let's just say it's social selling. The ultimate guide is social selling. The next piece, would be four ways to do social selling better on your own, kind of like a DIY piece. Um, This is where you're giving them four key essential tips for them to do it all, all on their own, nothing to do with you. The third piece is five ways to determine if you need better social selling. This is how they're starting to realize, okay, this is a problem I have. This is something I don't know how to solve on my own. or I don't have capacity to solve on my own. The fourth piece is um, three companies with killer social selling strategies. And it's a quick, it's not necessarily a case study, but it's a quick story of three different companies. They should be um, a variety of different industries and you know company sizes, so it can relate and be relevant. But peers like to learn from each other and they like to know if they're not, if they're falling behind or keeping up. That's one I really like to use in the pipeline that I was referring to for HR too. So pro tip. People really care about what what everyone's doing in HR. And then the the fifth um, and final piece that we usually start with, now remember we iterate nonstop, but foundationally these five themes is um, the ultimate buying guide. So if you're interested in social selling solutions, I'm using this as an example, of course, um, these are the six things you should really care about and evaluate hard regardless of who you're shopping. And the reason this can sometimes be better used in the pipeline too, after after a first meeting is because now you're saying, I'm setting the standard and the tone for all the shopping this woman or man's going to do after we get off this call. And it kind of helps establish you as the best fit. And then they're going to go find, they're going to try to find another competitor of the best and they won't, they'll find a good, um, or they'll find something far outside of the price point or But you set the tone and that by giving them that resource, you now have a significant more amount of trust in your relationship for the sales deal, for the sales pipeline.
0: And it's interesting just to reiterate, nothing that you just said there in those themes that you're iterating on for the content. You didn't go into features and benefits and you know, no, not at all.
1: That's what the demo's for. Like, and half the time, even then when you're on the demo, you don't really want to talk about the features and benefits either you're still showing how those same problems are solved, but by functionality. So. Yeah, it is never it has this once you stop talking about yourself it's wild what you'll learn and then again the the you'll start to see like the guard come down and then like the real reason why they took the call not like the surface pain that they discussed initially but like there's a bigger pain behind everyone that's uh, opting into a demo. Um and it takes a really good sales rep to listen and hear what the true problem is and it's and they're not going to come and say I need this one button. In Salesforce, that could just blah blah blah. That doesn't happen. It's a bigger pain. Um, and you'll never know it if you're not listening or nurturing them into a relationship to be vulnerable like that.
0: So before we started recording, I yeah. I teed up a question that I like to ask. And that oh. was this this idea of the fuel, the content that we're talking about on a scale of one to 10. Yeah. One meaning not important at all. Ten meeting, vital to the return on investment from this process. Yeah, these companies are hiring you for. Where would you put that on that scale?
1: Mm-hmm. I put it at a ten, and the reason being is I have clear um, pulse on re- what kind of revenue we're helping our clients close and generate. Um, When I don't, so, so this is not fluffy or like I'm on a content podcast. I'm going to give that answer. This is a true um, assessment of, you know, 200 clients of ours. When we, when we do have content to support the sales team, it is for fact that we convert at a higher rate, and the sales process is more streamlined and um the clients are or the customers are converting at a healthier pace and it is truly because of the relationship that content helps you establish and the resource you become to that to your to your companies to your to your customers we now i'm not i also said this like i'm not uh, naive about how difficult it is to produce content and how um a lot of times we do tend to overthink it and make it very difficult when really, I think if you could voice tech, voice note or voice memo from a founder, like very high level conversations, you could probably get a great ghostwriter to piece together everything that's inside his in his head. Um, but when you are able to deploy really quick pieces of content, and I'm not talking about scholarly pieces either, Steve. I think we didn't we should note on this. I'm talking about like under five minute reads. 700 words, it should not be heavy, scholarly pieces that take, you know, three days or a dedicated hour of sitting time to consume. It needs to be quick, actionable. Um, and of course those greater pieces have, um, function in other parts of the sales journey, but initially it needs to be very practical and simple. So I, like I said, I'm not naive to know that it isn't, it isn't asked, but it needs to be a priority. And when it's not, you will feel it. In the revenue you're able to attain for your for your goals,
0: how much for your clients? How much do you help and support them in this initial round or rounds? because con- yeah. there's never a stop right to the to the end of the mm-hmm. need for the content. So how much do you actually support them um, with that yeah. content creation?
1: Uh, recently, in the last um, I think over a year, I've had a woman on our team named Tina, and she does. All of the ghostwriting for a lot of our founders, or she'll write on behalf of her our our clients. So it's where we follow those five themes that I discussed with you. She has a session with them, and she finds there's different ways she has to work with all of our clients, of course, to collect a lot of the um, nuances and how it really resonates for the client. Um, but we do, we've augmented that now as a service that we add on to our scope. And it is because the clients that we've worked with together, you know, it it can be a bottleneck for sure. Um, But it is not one that they can ignore. And by having Tina on our team, we don't just iterate the V1, the 1.0 round of content, we're then tracking it all the way through to the pipeline, like I mentioned earlier, and even customers and revenue, to go back to Tina and say, hey, I need three more pieces like this. Or can we just try talking about bananas instead of oranges? Let's test it. See if bananas can convert like our oranges do. And then all that data is so easy to track in HubSpot because of the infrastructure we'll build. We'll know quick. We don't have to wait 30, 60, 90 days the way unfortunately a lot of other marketing strategies do. We know very quickly if engagement with our marketing content's resonating.
0: Right, and that's where you dive deeper, right? Yeah. say you find something that that is engaging, a topic that's engaging, you're like, okay, let's expand on that. Let's go deeper on that.
1: Yes, I I always say like the quantity goal is not always an indicator of health. That's the conversion rates that are the indicators that are um, most meaningful when you're going to market. You don't really want to blow through all of your TAM because you want to hit 100 meetings. We want to go through maybe... 500, 1,000 prospects, measure and execute against healthy conversion rates, and then double down. Then go back to Tina and say, hey, let's just roll with these three and get rid of these other three because they're kind of just distracting and pulling down the conversions. If we eliminate those three and stick to the core three that are converting well, now I'm ready to go. Now let me put another 1,000, 5,000 contacts into my prospect funnel and let's watch what happens
0: and let's talk about that roll back a little bit let's put another 5000 prospects into the funnel right so these yeah. are these are cold emails um that we're getting very they can be very targeted right because mm-hmm. zoom infos of the world are very good mm-hmm. um what is the kind of in hubspot there's a difference in they would not call that a marketing contact
1: right, right? And so
0: there's only certain kinds of communications and ways that you can communicate. Could you maybe explain that and how you transition them from a Mm -hmm. non-marketing to a marketing contact?
1: So there's, well, there's two, two tones of thought, trains of thought. So the first one, we would typically launch them into our sales sequences. And this is where we're kind of like, um, this is your V1, your sales 1.0. This is where you're just trying to identify who's interested Um, at all or engaging at all. And I try to look for indicators of what they're interested in. So remember, we're talking about launching after we already know who our true ICP is in terms of revenue, like closed on revenue, not just who we think it is. So if I take that profile and launch them into sales sequences, which is not a marketing contact, we do not need those. Um, Then I start to nurture those that engage with marketing contacts. I I have not had to date any issues with any opt-outs or unsubscribes are unrelevant. This is unrelevant to me. Take irrelevant to me. Take me off your list. That doesn't happen because we're serving them with content that we know they need. Um, and that serves their exact, um, profile industry. It supports what their, their role is. So because of that, we're able to really play that very carefully. Now, remember the clients that I'm serving, they need their first 100 customers to survive, right? So like we're, it's go time. We're your scrappy, hit the ground running, go to market. Let's land our first 100 logos solution. And then you can get into these more lofty opt-in only campaigns and um, a little bit more of the um, traditional marketing strategies that are cost They're very costly, but they're valuable and important too. Once you have that um, that foundational customer base, that that all of our clients truly hire us to, to attain in the first place.
0: And these sales sequences that you're talking about
1: mm-hmm.
0: is the content themes that you mentioned earlier. Is that correct? <laughs>
1: Sometimes, not most, sometimes there'll be be more traditional, like a persona-based sequence that says like basically, hey, is this top of mind for you? If it is, I'd love to explain to you how we've served our clients or give you some resources to help you better um, execute your current day-to-day. Those sequences are establishing us more as a resource and then enrolling them into the marketing contacts, which here is what you're referring to. Um, But most of the time, our content is always centered around, hey, does this matter to you? If it does, either learn more, and I'll put you into our marketing nurture, or let's hop on a quick call um, if you're interested. Also to note, content-led sales sequences work very well. It does not have to always be about a meeting. And I, I joked on another podcast I was on, like it's like it's like <laughs> you meet somebody for the first time and automatically ask for a first date. That doesn't happen. Right. It rarely goes well. <laughs> if it goes- if it has gone well, it, you know, you might have just lucked out once, but it really does need to be in more of an ongoing effort. And um, that sales one, that approach being content-led is is super effective.
0: In the sales sequences, what is mm-hmm. the desired outcome? What are you, what's the action that you want them to take?
1: They're either going to convert over into our blog subscriber, or they'll go into a meeting with us booking Got a meeting it. with us. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then when they take one of those two actions, they become marketing contacts. And yes. Then, they then
1: they're of- nurtured forever and ever. Amen. Until they say stop where they convert into our customer nurture, which is usually a different ta- talk, um, content track. That's a little bit more product marketing focused. A lot of our clients will start a product marketing nurture when they're like in that like late stage pipeline or converted to customer. Then it's about how, how to use this report, new product releases, um, five ways to run your QBR using our platform. Make, those are the, that's then the kind of marketing that you would enroll somebody into.
0: So with somebody who doesn't know you, they're getting a sales sequence. And one of the two actions is, well, you know, uh, become a uh, subscriber to our blog. Mm-hmm. The other is to have a conversation. You haven't developed that relationship yet. Mm-hmm. So getting that conversation that feels a little bit like dating before you really know mm-hmm. each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how successful is that?
1: The conversion of 1.0, like that first attempt. Yeah. It, it works quite well. Um, And I'll, I'll explain, like if they do follow up, the response is what the goal is in the sales sequence. The, res- the goal isn't always meeting your subscriber. It's not always the, the outcome. The outcome is really just, Are you interested in any capacity, one or two, or no? And a lot of times you'll get responses like, hey, yeah, this is top of mind in Q4. Could you follow up with me then? That's part of our team scope, which you and I talked about earlier. A lot of times um, a founder-led sales team or a growth mode sales team will lose sight of that, that person. My my team does not. So there's a there's a wireframe that we put around the uh, the hubspot environment. that will make sure that we keep tabs on that that woman or man that's asking for a follow up in Q4. But the nurture track stays relevant. So after five or six more months go by and they're engaging and receiving these content nurture pieces, it's not uncommon to have them just go over to our website and book the demo. And then I'll get a notification as the rep that says, Oh, she's back. And it may only be August, but now it's suddenly bumped up on her priority list. And luckily, we were there to cat to capture the the request for meeting. So, it it's kind of it's it's really important to remember. Like, if you go into the sales emails or if you go into the marketing emails with the intent to serve yourself, right, it will not. If you go into it to stay relevant to stay a resource, and to care about their problems that they they have, and you, if you truly actually care, it comes back. And it'll come back either in form of like the long-term nurture engagement and conversion, like that example I gave, or in Q4 when I check back in and say, hey, Steve, I hope, I hope I'm catching you at a better time. We talked in Q1. You said this wasn't a priority until Q4. Here's a couple of recent articles. Is this a better time? That's a way better um, follow up than hey, bumping up my email,
0: right? <laughs> like,
1: you know, <laughs> and it's automated. It doesn't have to be a human being do sending that email. As long as your whole company can commit to the the style and the tone and the 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 proved content that we would put into those sequences, that that deploys automatically. It doesn't take somebody's brain power and reminder on their Google calendar to do it. It happens automatically.
0: Well so much information, so much great information here. (laughs) If, if we were to wind this up and give you an opportunity to say, if I had to leave you with a parting thought, a takeaway, okay, what would it be?
1: Um, that's a great question. It, what's, what's, Close to my heart right now is because I spend a lot of times with companies that are thriving and companies that are trying to survive because of the things that are happening in, in our macro economy and just the landscape of startups right now. It's this. If you need to stay leaner longer and you have massive growth goals to hit, the foundational pillars that you'd never want to skip or skimp on is going to be your operational management systems, so like the system that's going to stay on top of all these contacts on your behalf through automation, content that nurtures and stays relevant, and taking care of the data. This does not have to be three heads, three full time FTEs. This has to be a sole person as a point person for a team like mine, or somebody that can go through a quick skill set training um, and acquire that. You can survive longer when you do those three pillars correctly. So care for your automation and invest in good content, care about it, care about solving the problem and taking care of your database, your contact database. And it and it will, you'll be shocked how much it will sustain a company and extend that runway.
0: Well, fantastic. Thank you, Amy, so much for spending Uh, your time here. No,
1: thank you. Thanks for having and me. We, I appreciate it. We have it. worked
0: before together, and that's why I reached out to, to you, maybe because um, you, you do such great work. And uh, just congratulations on oh, your growth and the Stevie Award and everything that you're doing for all of your clients.
1: No, oh, I appreciate, it, Steve. Thanks for having me. It means a lot. Thank you.